All right, y'all. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Cafecito con Conciencia. I know it's been a while, uh, a couple weeks since we recorded it and released uh, another episode. But, you know, it's Thursday. You already know the drill. Uh, and I'm here with Susie. And we have two awesome, awesome, awesome speakers, guest speakers today for y'all. Um, we're going to be talking about mental health. What does it mean? You know, what comes to mind when you hear the word mental health? You know, uh, some of the practices that maybe we use, um, any recommendations, and we'll see where the conversation goes from there. But uh, welcome, folks. I'm glad to be here. Susie, haven't seen you in a while. Como estas? Bien, bien. It's, it's been a, can't believe we're in, already in March, you know, it's, uh, it's the, the time is going by so fast. But uh, we're excited to have our two amazing guests um, with us today. So let's actually jump in and whoever wants to introduce themselves and if you want to talk a little bit about, you know, what you do, um, and then we'll jump into the first question. Not everyone jump in. I'll go first if you want me to go first. I don't mind. Go ahead. I don't mind. All right, cool. Uh, first off, I'm super excited to be part of the show. To be, I'm honored to be on it. Um, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I really appreciate when people share their space with me and give me an opportunity to speak about uh, my purpose and what I do. Um, but before anything, my name is Jose. I go by Mozo. Um, it's my nickname. It's been my nickname for a long time. Um, but Jose or Mozo, they both work. If you see me out there, you call me either or. Um, and um, I'm a mental health advocate. Um, I'm a father. I'm a husband. Um, and I'm just really trying to make the world a better place. Um, I'm the creator and founder of the World Needs Love Tour, which is um, I go to different cities, spread love, raise mental health awareness, and speak about the topics that people sometimes aren't too comfortable to speak about. So um, that's pretty much me. We'll get, I guess you'll get to know, you'll get to know me more as, as, we, as we continue to speak. But yeah. Hola, hello everyone. My name is Mayra Mesqua. I want to say thank you for inviting me to your podcast as well. I want to say congratulations to both of you, especially for the episodes that you're out in the air, uh, conversations that are definitely needed. Uh, like, um, so in my, for myself, I'm also a mental health advocate. I started mental health when I wanted to be a teacher and I realized the need of mental health in classrooms. So then I went and go ahead and did um, my social work and then now mental health advocate out in the field with my community. I work for a nonprofit as well. <clears throat> so yeah, that's me. I'm also Susana's I'm my squad sister. So I'm second to the, long, to the oldest, Susana La Chiquita. So <laughs> the tres y un varón. So, um, but yes, thank you, um, both of you, for welcoming to your space. Thank, thank you, thank you, thank you both uh, for joining today. Just between you and I, don't tap, okay, tap the, the screen from Susie. Who's the favorite? Is it you or or her? Not me, Susie. Not even Susie. <laughs> <laughs> At this time in the house, it's Mariela. She took the whole title. Susana's little girl took the whole title. That's it. 
That's it. Y'all, y'all had your chance. Y'all had your chance. That's it. Yeah. Ni modos. Yeah. Whether no you more. used it or you didn't, that's that's something else. But right. Uh, as soon as Mariela man. walks in, it's more like Mariela, how are you? And Susie Borrita with all her bags and door. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Okay. Um. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for for the conversation. You know, it's 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 good to have the both of you. Um. I know it's. You know, you're 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 working for a nonprofit, Maida. Uh, Mozo, you know, you said you're you're the founder of uh, the World Needs Love Tour, right? So uh, this is why we wanted to have you both in the same space, right? Um, because you're both doing amazing work uh, when we talk about mental health, especially for a community, um, a brown community, a Latinx community, if you will, you know, that thinks of mental health as a taboo topic. Right. Like we can't talk about mental health because, um, you know, it's it just it's it's okay. Right. Eso no es nada. Just ponte las pilas. Right. Echale ganas. Mm -hmm. right? Just brush it off. No llores. Right? And, and I'm pretty sure that there's other things, you know, that you, maybe you've heard yourself um, or maybe at some point you expressed it. Right. Um, so we definitely wanted to dive into this conversation of mental health and and what does it mean or, or, or what comes to your mind when you hear mental health? For mental health is so many things that it could be mental health. It's just for one overall that I, I always preach is making sure you're being true to yourself. Like every single day that you're able to be yourself, that you're able to do your things that you want to do every single day, that's what I consider mental health with no other, like, say, barriers, emotional barriers, because mental health, too, could be related to physical health. So all of those um, are in one. But as long as you're able to have a good day, be able to complete your task that you had put in, um, set for that day, that's what I consider mental health. I like that. I like that, Myra. That was a good... Um like definition because like everything has a definition right like if you look it up in the dictionary it'll tell you what it what it is but it's deeper than that you know for me mental health is life um i feel like it affects it, every single aspect of your life every decision you make anything you feel what you like what you don't like it's all connected to your mental health um and it's you know and it connects to your physical health it's all connected but I believe that it all starts with your mental health. In order for every other part of your health or your life to be right, you have to be mentally, uh, I don't want to say mentally right, but you have to be in a space where you're able to understand how your mental health works and, and you know, things that may trigger you or things that bother you, things that make you feel good. Um, and I'll say mental health is so important because mental health is health and it's life. Mm -hmm. Um. It's interesting that you both kind of bring in this perspective because I feel like I didn't learn about mental health until maybe like, I don't know. I didn't hear the phrase maybe like until I was in college or people started talking about like self-care. So when people started promoting self-care, that's how I heard about, you know, this notion of mental health. Um, but if I may ask a question, like what got you interested in like being an advocate for uh, mental health? So how did I get into mental health? Well, I didn't learn about mental health till I was a grown adult. 
I didn't even hear those words when I was a kid. I didn't know what if you would have asked me when I was a kid what mental health was, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to answer that. I'd be like, Oh, something with your brain, you know, like I would have just I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known what to say. Um, something that really helped me with my mental health and got me into my mental health was joining a men's group, which is where I met David. Um, the Bloom Home, the Bloom Homie Gang from from California, you know, uh, I think it's based out of L.A. David, am I? Is it L.A.? Yeah, we, we we got a we got a few folks from from Cali, different right. parts of Cali, but then we also got folks, you know, from other other states. También, so shout out to those folks. All right, so it was during the pandemic. Um, I came across it on Instagram. The Bloom Homie was a it's a men's group. And I joined it, and you know, like I tell Fig and I tell the guys sometimes, like that almost changed my life, and like because it opened my mind and my eyes to so many different conversations. Other men who also are are you know like are going through similar things that I may have been going through, um, you know, it really helped me in my mental health, and that really was just that's what kind of like just set me up to what I'm doing now, and I realized how how powerful my voice could be by just speaking about things and having the conversations, you know, the conversation starts with us. It starts with you as a person. And from there, you just hope that maybe the next person has that same conversation with someone else or with other people. So uh, that's for me. That's how I got into it. And I'm just going to continue my journey. I, feel, I believe it's my purpose to continue to spread this word and to help people and in the process help myself as well. You know, it's been a healing journey. And we all have, we all should be healing and, um, you know, but we're all in a different time and place in life. So, mm-hmm. and I'm also understanding of that as well, but that's how I got into mental health. Wow. Mm. That's great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And if you're ever in LA, let me know so I can connect you with my middle schoolers. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. And in my end up, uh... So I wanted to be a teacher first. I was on the road to be an elementary teacher. So I was actually doing a TA, as a TA in LUSD. Uh, and there was one thing that kind of opened my eyes was when a student was having a hard time in class. And then there was a book I was reading at the same time that said, El que educa ama. So in my head, I was like, but how can you teach a child in a classroom who is struggling mentally and he's you're asking them to do all this homework to learn a new language to do all this stuff but he can't so i actually since that day on i went into mental health i changed my whole career and i ended up doing my masters in social work because it's not just about therapy it's also about the community itself Mental health is not just in one room, it's all, in, all over. So that's when I decided social work instead. The ahorita, pues, um, now I'm in the nonprofit working with families uh, with regarding mental health and their uh, struggles that they're going through as well. Um, personally, I didn't hear about mental health in college too. I didn't even know that was a word and mental health. Um, as a child, I was experiencing a lot of different things, and I didn't even know that was part of trauma, something that I needed to take care of mentally until, like, college, when they started promoting, like, oh, mujeres and education and self-care. I was like, 
but where's all this stuff? I One of the questions I did ask myself was like, where was this when I needed it back then? But now I'm glad I, I'm in this field. The other thing that comes to mind is you ask a valid question. Where was this, you know, during my time or when, when I was growing up? To me, like, you know, we've been saying earlier, is like maybe it was there, but because whether it's our homes, whether it's the community that we live in, whether it's our own circle that we were a part of, you know, when we were younger, we didn't talk about mental health because it wasn't uh, relatable. It wasn't the thing to do. It wasn't something to express, you know. Um, from a male's perspective, you know, f for me, it's not like I could go up to my boys and be like, yo, this happened to me, right? And, and like, you know, really just express myself because then they would use or they would more than likely use like all these uh, negative terms, if you will, right? To put me down in a way, to label me as as other. And and so I think, you know, that that's, that's a valid question. Where was it, you know? And, and maybe it's the fact that now, you know, we're being more open about it. Right. We're actually having this conversation. We're promoting it. Um, and I like the, what you're doing in the nonprofit and Mosul in your own time, Tambien. Um, so what do you think people need to do to take it serious or, or to just be open about it? Because, right? Maida, I know you're working with youth. Mosul, you're doing it for a community as a whole. What's your take on that? You know, uh, for me, um, sorry, Davi, could you ask, can you, can you repeat the second part of the question again? What can we do to make it more normalize more it? Norm. Yeah, yeah, normalize it. How can we normalize this work? Yeah. So as, as far as um, as mental health and normalizing and having the conversations, I think that we made a lot of progress as people. You know, I think we can definitely agree that I, like I could that I know for a fact that my father at my age was not speaking about mental health. So that right in itself is is progress, you know. So I, I think that um it's just having the courage sometimes to, to have the conversation with somebody. And I think that sometimes people think like look at the big picture, they think like it has to be like on a stage or in front of a lot of people. But it can just start in your living room with your loved ones, you know, with your partner, with your kids, if you have, you know, a child. I feel like speaking to a child sometimes about mental health is one of the easiest things because you can speak to a six-year-old. They're very honest about their feelings. They're very honest about, the, how, you know, about what's going on with them. So, you know, it's just to get them started to speak about how they're feeling and their emotions. And I think that that's our responsibility to do that now, you know, because we know better and we understand what's going on. So I think that's how we can normalize the conversations with mental health. And yeah, is it where we like, is it where we want it to be at right now? No, but we've definitely uh, have made progress and we're making progress. And I think that's what really keeps me going is seeing younger kids, younger generation have speaking about mental health. You know, sometimes I go on, on my TikTok, uh, on the TikTok and I'm looking at these younger, you know, like kids and teenagers speaking about mental health and stuff like that. That's progress. Because when I was a teenager, I wasn't thinking about mental health and I wasn't getting on a video and talking about it. So um, 
I think it starts with us and it starts with having these conversations like we are right now on podcasts and just in your living room. Wherever you feel comfortable having that conversation, have it. And I think that's how we can normalize it. Right. It's just like um, adding that seed. Just making sure you, whoever you meet, just either how are you doing and actually asking the question, like, how are you doing? Because sometimes we ask and we don't expect the response. But like, no, I really want to know how are you doing? And then that question, like, that's itself. It's it could bright up someone's day. It could actually open like that conversation, like Mosa was saying. And it just it doesn't have to be like a full on therapy session or anything like that. No, it just could be just one question, just one little see that like this person really did see me that day and I felt good. <clears throat> that could be something that's needed having those tough tough conversations too like Mosu said we're having it now and even with the generations that have passed and didn't have it we're having these conversations with them and they're healing with us at the same time it's uncomfortable they it, they're definitely uncomfortable because we're telling this generation like how you lived your life is something that was really hard and i want you to be vulnerable with me and sometimes they're like, what does that even mean? Like, just share your experience and share with how you're feeling. Just asking one question could also make a huge difference and impact. I think that's like a hard part, right? Like asking people to be vulnerable, I think, you know, um, or like feel uncomfortable or feel comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. I feel like those are things that, uh, you know, society as a whole doesn't really promote right everyone wants to always be happy and be comfortable and like you always it's all about the i i i i you know individuality you know person that really don't really think about oh how are my actions impacting everybody else you know um i think that for me i feel like that has been what i've noticed has been like a challenge especially like when we're trying to talk to like you know adults like my mom my dad you know someone that's older and like there's like then you bring in like the whole respect you know they're older so like you, you have to respect your you know elders and you don't talk about you know you don't want to make them uncomfortable and you don't want them to because i feel like having someone to like admit that they did some harm is also hard uh in my experience i've seen people you know um either get really defensive and like then the conversation doesn't really go anywhere or some people shut down or some people do admit or right? I think um but again going back to like being the vulnerable part I feel like that's like very important but also very hard to do and, and you know one of the things that I really like that you said Maida is when you ask somebody how are you doing right like that question alone and you said it really well it makes somebody feel seen you know, especially somebody who's going through like a difficult time and, and it's like, you know, the world might be falling apart, you know, in their own, um, I guess, multiverse, if you will. Right. Um, their own lived experience, like things might be crumbling. And in that question, it probably won't change everything, but it's going to shine some light into whatever their existence is at the moment. And it's like, oh, there's people out there who actually care about me, about how I'm doing, 
it who are actually interested, you know, in in, in helping me out. So um, I really like that. Um, Mojo, I think, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, and I know you're doing, you know, you, you, you said it earlier, you funded this The World Needs Love tour, right? How did that come to be, you know, and, and how, how is that working for you? Well, like like you said, that example you gave about someone feeling seen just by you saying how you're doing, it just shows how powerful our words are, right? And uh, I realized that it's it's crazy how it came to happen, you know. Um, I have a I have my platform on social media. Um, I got my photographer, and we we're like, oh, let's go take some photos, you know, with some signs. I'm working on my website, you know. It was all a big plan for me to do, you know, just to kind of create content. But I didn't know exactly where I was going with it, you know. I didn't really have like a a plan. I was just like, I'm gonna spread love and raise awareness, and let's see where this journey takes me. And it just so happened that when when I was doing my photo shoot, I had my like my signs and I was talking in the camera and stuff, and people were started gathering around me, you know, just total strangers while I was on the Brooklyn Bridge, just gathering around me, you know, showing me love, giving me hugs, and I realized that like. First of all, I didn't have to speak. The, the words on my sign were just making people stop. And you could just see the, their, their, you know, their reactions on their faces. Like it was something they needed to, to read, something they needed to see, to feel seen, to feel loved, to feel like they mattered, like they made a difference in this world. So uh, once I realized the impact that I had, I said, you know what, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, that was the sign that I needed. Um, it was the, the sign that gave them a sign was a sign I needed to, to, to make, to make this happen. And, um, ever since then I've been going to different cities. I started here in New York city, of course. Um, you know, I go out, it's been, the weather's been kind of, it's cold. So I haven't really been out as, as much, you know, once it warms up, I'm, I'm going to be out and about all the time, but I've, you know, I've hit New York city, Philadelphia, Miami. I just got back from Charlotte, North Carolina. And, um, you know, while I go to these cities, not only do I do, do my thing with my son, I also conduct with some, some of the mental health um, centers in the city as well. You know, when I was down in Miami, people were upset because they were closing one. Um, and I, I realized this has become like a thing now. Every time I go to a different city, people are telling me, oh, yeah, we have a facility, but they're closing it. You know, like they're not um, really funded the way they should be funded. Um, a lot of the buildings look very broken down. It isn't like a welcoming um, environment, you know, and um, again, that goes with the stigma of what mental health is, right? People are like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to deal with that when it should be a place where people should feel comfortable going to, to get the help that they need if they need help or get the resources or access to things, information that they may need. Um, but for me, that's, that's how I, uh, that's how I started the world needs love tour. And um, I'm looking forward to hitting more cities. I'm definitely going to be in the West coast. Um, I just need a lot of time for the West Coast because Cali is a big old state. <laughs> and um, well, it, like, not trying to to you know kick some rocks over here, or or if you will, but I mean we got we got a mental health advocate, and then we got somebody another mental health advocate who works at a nonprofit. So I don't know, maybe there's some cross collaboration <laughs> right there. I know, I know you visit facilities, you know, and try to connect them and raise awareness. Um, but no, just de saying, you definitely, know. definitely. 
when I hit the West we, Coast. We need to have you in. We need, we need to have you in LA, man. We need to have you in LA. So. Yeah, when I go to LA, I know it's gonna be crazy. I know it's gonna be a great and crazy. But I mean, say when I say crazy, I mean like a great time. Like I know it's gonna be great seeing <laughs> seeing y'all. <laughs> but um, I'm definitely looking forward to. It. But like I said, it's just like uh, being in New York, California is a distance. And if I were to go over there, I would want to hit like LA, San Francisco, you know, hit different cities. And not just, you know, stay in one place because there's so much to do and so much love to be spread in such a big state. But um, it's definitely something that, you know, I have a lot of cities in my mind that I want to that I want to uh, hit. And, you know, it's just again, I'm just going with the flow. But at the same time, I know I know what my purpose is, my plan is and nothing's going to stop me from doing it. Well, shout out to you, because like, even just standing with the sign and talking, you know, that just is all being vulnerable there, you know, so shout out to you for doing that. It, Thank you. Mm-hmm. And Mayra, este, for you on, on, on my end, I, I know the work is challenging, especially working at, at a nonprofit, um, I'm, you know, two different fields, education and mental health, but to some, some way they, they interconnect. Um, I can only imagine the troubles that you go through, right, and maybe some of the hurdles that you have to cross, you know, to maybe get some of this information out or like Mozu said, have the resources so that way your clients or the people that you're helping, you know, actually have what they need, you know? So can you share a little bit about your experience in that field and and what are maybe some of the challenges or maybe some of the wins that you've, you've seen so far? There's definitely different challenges. Like overall, like we're all going to have regarding mental health because Although we have had this conversation, it's kind of new to a lot of uh, nonprofits and a, a lot of professions. So some of the challenges I do face is just being aware of the resources that are out there. Definitely there's free resources out there, but because what I see challenges when working with the community is a time. They're working all the time and they don't have time to do the self-care. So how am I going to go out there to their homes and be like, you need to do some self-care, but they also need to feed their own family. So those are definitely some of the challenges I do come across a lot. Even just asking as a stranger coming into the home and like, oh, I have this degree. Can you be vulnerable with me? It's hard. It's also hard to open up to a therapist. Just because you're going to therapy doesn't mean you're going to connect with the therapist. That you want to make sure you're able to connect with the person that you feel okay with talking with and just being advocate for yourself. Definitely, like I'm also said, is like advocating for your well-being, mental health, well-being. And then we could go into like the policies because the policies are a whole another thing regarding like mental health um when it comes to like schools for example i wanted to be a mental health advocate at a school site but then they only have one therapist for like what 600 students 800 students so that's definitely not uh realistic i know when covid hit now everybody was talking about mental health and schools but what happened to those that were there before they needed that help Definitely, there's overall challenges out and everywhere, but like I said before, it's 
with one child, one family, that's a whole generation that you're already bringing that conversation into the table. Yeah. And I can just speak on, like, just add on, like, when, you know, when we were returning back to schools and um, Biden was talking about, yeah, we're going to fund mental health services. All the schools will have this support and mental health this and mental health that. And then when it came, it was like, we didn't get a lot of training. Um, it was just like something that maybe you attended a training uh, one time and then you were kind of like, all right, now you're not just you're not just a teacher now but you're also the adult promoting mental health in your classes you know and it's like going back to what Maida is saying like that's not realistic and it's also not like not everybody who's a teacher is also good at facilitating vulnerable conversations you know like some people can be really good at just teaching content but not really connecting with students and not connecting with youth and I think that's like a a huge this like misconception just because you're a teacher means that you know how to see the student as a whole you know um but i feel like that that that's been the biggest challenge lately just like the schools are kind of like the hubs for like mental health and it's like we're not getting the support and then now you got students who who do need the support and who you know and because they're struggling then they're having a hard time with the content and then they're having a hard time in class and when they're having a hard time in class, they're going to be sent out. And when they're being sent out, they're missing out, you know, and then that's that pipeline that goes on. Right. Um, it's, so, just, it's just like the cycle, right? That, yeah. that just, you yeah, know, you, you can't break it because everybody is just, you know, everybody has a different role that they play. But then, then sometimes, like you said, there's people who are not equipped to to play certain roles. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so you're, you're right. You're right. Um let me get a little personal here and, and I'm just wondering, you know, like of, of any circumstances, you know, where you yourself and, and this is open to anybody, you know, face challenges and you were like, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. And, and I bring this up, you know, because, in, you know, a couple of years back, um, I was drinking a lot, you know, and, and, and that that was my to go to cope with a lot of things that were happening in, at, at the personal level, right? And so it was, it was, you know, I would get out of work and go to a bar, right? Or I would, you know, stop hanging out with friends and I would go to a bar. And before I knew it, I didn't need a reason to be at a bar. I was just at the bar, you know? So, and, and might I, earlier, you also mentioned about like, how do you talk, have these conversations with, you know, your, your parents? And it's like, I'm clicking one and I'm putting one and one, one and one together. And it's like, shit, like my father drinks a lot, you know, some of my brothers drink a lot. And it's like, is this like a generational thing where like, we're trying to cope with alcohol, you know? And, and, and so that was a breaking point for me because I was like, I was drinking too much. All my money was going to that and I wasn't getting anywhere. Like I wasn't fixing myself. I was putting a patch over my feelings, right? But I wasn't fixing anything. So um, I think that's, you know, one of the challenges that we face in our community, you know, in our communities of color where like 
we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to deal with it, right? And we'll just find like a band-aid solution to it. So just to add a little, sorry, cut you off, David. Just to add to a little bit about it. I like how you said generational because it is a generational thing. We learn it from our ancestors through our ancestors. Actually, mental health, the way we used to cope and heal back in the day in our indigenous roots was with earth. Our fire, breathing, music, everything was connected with that's how was our healing process. Then it came to the whole, well, we even say like Western therapeutic, because we think that just sitting in a room and talking about it, it's going to heal, heal us. No, sometimes we don't even recognize that we're still breathing. We go a day without noticing that we're breathing. When our ancestors took everything, the earth, water, everything in, and that was their way of connecting to Mother Earth and actually being connected with their roots. When you said you're drinking a lot, like, yes, we learn it from our parents, but they learn it from their parents and they did learn it from their other parents. So it is definitely a cycle that needs to be unlearned. And that's kind of like when I said, we're not just healing ourselves and our, even our inner child, but we're also healing our parents at the same time. Hmm. I like that. And I like that. And then your, your message of healing yourself heals future right. generations. So when you said that, it, like, it just clicked. And I was like, oh, my math. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh man no, i just want to say that i what y'all saying is is so beautiful you know what i'm saying just hearing it um because it, it's it just shows like how how we can break those cycles you know and and um how you know for me one of the biggest things you know how david how you how you shared like you know, going to the bar and stuff, I think for me, which is how I expressed myself and how I spoke to people sometimes, you know, like, I, you know, like I, I was talking to you about my dad and how he is, you know, very like aggressive, you know, like as far as language, verbally, very aggressive sometimes can be. And, you know, like you learn what you grow up seeing and hearing, right? That's what you learn. So that's the example that you have. That's how you learn how to express or you're angry or you're upset or you're sad. Instead of coping in a healthy way, your way of coping is cursing or throwing stuff around, breaking things, you know, and, and or shutting down and not speaking at all. You know, I think that um that's something that I learned that I'm that I've learned in my journey is, you know, how to how to cope and how to express myself in a healthy way. And then passing that on to my kids, you know, and then oh not just passing it on to my kids, but also when I'm around my dad and something's going on. You know, like he'll see me how I react to it, and be like, he'll be like, "Hey, you're so calm." Like, I'm just like, "Yeah," but you know, and I and I just explain to him like, you know, like it's not the end of the world. We can find a way to fix this problem. There's a solution to it. You know, like, but you know, we can't us over. You know, we're reacting or being upset or angry about it isn't gonna fix the. And it's sometimes about the simplest things, like the car. His his light went on the car, like the the headlight, the left headlight went out, and it's like, oh, the end of the world. And I'm like, bye, like. All right, bro. You know what I'm saying? We gotta change the bulb. <laughs> you know what I mean? We change the bulb, and, and and the light will be back on. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, but he's looking at me, and he's like, "You're so calm." I'm like, yeah, because 
But, you know, the light bulb goes off. We change it. Now, I understand, like, there's levels of, like, different things that we deal with, right? Like, there's different levels to it, and I can understand that. But, like, sometimes when I think back and I think about my father and the things he reacted to, it was, like, like, the smallest things in the world that you'd be like, bruh, (laughs) bruh, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, bruh, what are you really upset about, you know? But, like, um, like like y'all said, that's how you saw his father react. That's how his father saw his grandfather react you know like and it's just that's how it it it, it follows you know but shout out to us for breaking generational cycles shout out to us for doing that because because we are doing that so shout out to us for doing that yeah i think i think one that i feel like is very common uh at least in like in the mexican american household is like you just don't talk about things you know um you just just swallow you know pride just kind of you know, just takes, and I think um, a huge part about like knowing how to hear yourself is to be able to identify like what is going on. You know, like I think for me, it happened when you know my mom. She's like my biggest. You know, she's like I look at everything she does. You know, and she reacts very kind of like also how you're saying. Like she, you know, she's always like very like it's okay. You know, things are okay. Like she's also very like catholic person so she's very like you know si Dios quiere, you know everything con dios you know but she really wouldn't talk about her feelings you know and she really wouldn't talk about like how she's getting really upset or why she's upset or why she's lashing out my dad not me or you know why she's you know uh you know um i don't put my on the spot a little bit but like um not until she got sick you know not until she got sick and she went to like this uh, center that basically told her like your like the way you're eating is is also like is getting you your body sick, but also what you're swallowing and what you're not like you holding your own truth is also getting your body sick. Like you not being able to like express your feelings, that's part of like your mental health, you know. And and she like. I, when she came back and she was a lot better, she identified like, you know, we had a little reunion, um, you know, and like I had to like kind of facilitate a conversation with like her and my dad, you know, and it was just like she got to say what she was saying. And then I asked my dad to share what he was saying. Uh, and like, I feel like that was the first time I saw that we could have a conversation about our feelings without, you know, without... Or just in general, we can just have a conversation about our feelings, you know, and that being okay. Um, but that was just like when I learned about that and she told me like, you know, just like, yeah, that can also, when we don't speak our truth or we just kind of, yeah, that can also affect us physically. Mm-hmm. Even also uh, saying no, just saying no when you don't want to, because when you feel obligated to do something that you don't want to do, that you're already taking your peace. There was a quote that said, if something takes your peace, it's too expensive. Really, it's like, in our culture, even our, uh, even in our household, uh, when we say no, it's like, oh, ya me dijo no, no me quiere. It's like, it's like no, it's like, I want to be with myself. I want to take my time. Or my mom was also stressing out because of other things. She would just 
gave herself a lot of stuff that she needed to do and stress stress is a huge factor regarding your mental health if you're not doing something that you don't like why are you doing it because then if you're not okay with it then you're really pushing yourself behind somebody else's needs you're putting somebody else's needs before yours so it's okay to say no and it's okay to ask for help too yes to that yep no i'm not not religious but (laughs) i'm I'm pretty sure some people would say amen (laughs) hallelujah (laughs) (laughs) asking asking for help is a strength not a weakness and that's something that's something that's Asking for help is a strength. It's not a weakness. Are, are you going to have that like in a t-shirt? Are you going to be selling that? <laughs> I would, I would I'm just saying like that, 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 that would look nice on a t-shirt. You know, asking for help is a strength, not a weakness. Yeah. You know? I'm, I'm claiming 30% of that cut. <laughs> hey, make sure you copy uh, right. Copyright Cafecito con Conciencia. That was promoted by Cafecito con Conciencia. (laughs) I was actually, uh, I wanted to share something. I reflected one of the things that Susie and I and my family always joke around how when I was little, I actually uh, grabbed a papaya leaf. I thought it was a branch and I wanted to be Tarzan. So I ended up pulling the papaya thing and I fell down and I dislocated my elbow. I knew itself it was a huge mistake, but I knew it was so bad. Like I was in pain. I was in the floor and I didn't even want to go to my mom because she knew that I had done something really bad. That's the moment I realized that asking for help was not okay because I knew that I had done the mistake and I needed to fix it myself. So I literally went into the room with my elbow and crying into him. I was like, you know, this is what happened. I'm going to hit you. It was like, well, then I don't win here either or. Like, <laughs> I'm already here injured with my elbow. And then you want to hit me back because I'm not telling you why I'm crying. So I don't know if I should cry or not. Like those little mixed signals that like once we get it when we're kids, we definitely bring them in when we're adults. And that's kind of when I mean, like, first heal your inner child, and then one step at a time. Wow, that's such a, that's such a great, um, like, story, because, like, it now just made me think about, like, how I constantly have to think about, like, you want your, I have two kids, and you want your kids to be open with you, right? You want them to be open with you whether it's a mistake, whether it's an achievement, whatever it is, you want your kids to come to you and tell you what it is, right? And then I realized, I'm like, if every time my son comes to me about something that happened that was like, let's say something that was, let's say he didn't do well on his math test, you know, as an example, right? And he sees my reaction to it, right? And it's like a negative one, or it's like a, you know, just, it's it's going to make him not want to come talk to me about anything, you know, or, or about the next time he has a bad test grade, you know, and, and that just trickles on them because, you know, when he's, when he's, when he was seven, it's like a bad test grade, but as they get older, it's like different things, right? Cause they're growing up, right? Like it's like relationships or, you know, experimenting, whatever it may be, right? Like, it, you know, as they get older, it's more and more different things. So, you know, one thing that it's crazy you you telling your story just made me think about how I've had to also as as a father 
kind of like learned how to how to just even making a, even my facial expressions when they when they come up to me and tell me something. My daughter is five and a half, and she could tell off my facial expression when I'm not in a good mood or when something's like not okay. She'd be like, "Daddy, why are you okay?" You know, like she'd just be like, "Are you like is everything okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, you know, it's just it could be like a lot of traffic or something." But she looks at my face like you know she could just tell, and it just shows you once again like how that just you know like. It, it just it, it's it's a way to to break a cycle because now they'll be more open to coming to me when I wasn't open coming to my dad to talk to him about anything. You know, I went to my mom for everything, from to everything. I went to my mom for everything because my dad, I felt like I don't know what kind of reaction I was gonna get from him, or I felt like it was gonna be a bad reaction or an angry reaction. I was gonna be in trouble no matter what it was. I was gonna be, I'm dead meat. Like I'm, <laughs> it was over no matter what. You know what I'm saying? So like, um. It just made me realize that uh, how, how it just everything just connects, you know. Yeah. the The work we're the work we're doing, um, you know, I know we're we're all doing this to some extent, right? But then you, Mozo and and, and Maida, you're both doing it directly, like in the sense that you're putting yourself out there in the field, um, and actually, you know, exposing yourself to. A bunch of people who, you know, criticize people who are, quote unquote, emotional, right? And, and so they see, you know, people like us who are able to express themselves, who are willing to be vulnerable. Um, they see it as a weakness, right? Um, but it's the, the, it's quite the opposite, right? Being able, like you've both mentioned, to ask for help or to reach out or to simply ask, how are you doing? Like that, that that takes a lot and it, and it's really meaningful and impactful work. So, um, you know, my kudos to the both of you for doing that, you know, and Susie, I know you're an educator, so I'm pretty sure you check in with your students too. Right. And, and, you know, how are y'all doing? Like, did y'all enjoy your hot Cheetos today? Did you not have your hot Cheetos today? You know, but it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of work for teachers too, you know, because you also have to deal with that, you know, that side of the student, you know, their mental health, you know, and, and making sure that they're okay um, outside of the academics, right? Because if you don't have a student who's, you know, fed and is doing well mentally, then you're not going to have a student who's thriving. So, yeah. And I think that's the hard part of learning. Like the other day, two students were like really upset. And I like, you know, I like stop class, you know, just to give them the attention that they were seeking, you know, and then they were just kind of like, well, you just don't know what's going on at home. And it's hard for teachers to understand that. And I was like, that's true, but that's what you got to like talk to someone, you know, like anyone on campus, whether that's your uh, our counselor, your advisor, someone. And then another kid um, jumped in and was like, well, that's hard to do because all y'all do is snitch on us. And I was like, okay, okay, let's like, okay. Y'all also know that like, we're mandated reporters. So like, if you tell us something that is like gonna harm you or gonna harm someone, unfortunately we do have to involve your families. But I feel like that part is just like, we just need more adults that can manage those conversations without just jumping into that. Cause I feel like what they were just trying to tell me is like, there's no trust. 
right? They right. need a, you know, I was like, I was trying to give them the example. If you tell me who your crush is, I'm not going to call home and tell them about your crush. But you also understand, like, what you're saying, you know, it's also very important. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not your friend. I'm like your teacher. I'm your, the adult. But I also want, I'm looking out for your safety and for the safety of others, you know. But I think that's the hard part where they just kind of what I was, you know, what I'm trying to get at is just like, they feel like there's no, they want to talk, but they want to talk freely where their parents don't have to know about it. But because we're set up where like we are minded reporters, then we do have to report it. So they feel like there's like a betrayal, you know? Um, and that, I think that like hearing that part was just like, okay, like, I'm sorry you're feeling this way. Um, so this is kind of hard. Like we're asking them to talk, but then, you know, whatever they do say, we'll come back and get them, you know? So it's just kind of, it's a hard. Yeah. I just think, I just think, in, I just think in general, the, like the education, educational system and the school system has done a poor job when it comes to, to that. Like you said, it shouldn't be a teacher's responsibility, some, you know, to, to have that, to have those kind of conversations. Um, you know, I've worked in schools before and being a man in a, in a school building, um, you, you have a lot of, I have, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of kids because especially when you're not a teacher, I was a teaching assistant. So I was kind of like in between, uh, being a teacher, being that I was still a mandated reporter, but I could tell that they, they're looking for an outlet they're looking for someone they can trust and speak to, but it's very difficult to do that because of the way the school system is built and designed. You know, I think that the same way we have guidance counselors and things like that, we should definitely have mental health counselors or people that work in the mental health field in every school building in this country. Like that's something that should be that should be just mandatory. The same way we teach math that we don't ever use ever again and books that don't matter <laughs> and books that are so boring. Um, we should have we should have mental health resources for for all kids for all ages from elementary school from kindergarten all the way to high school. If it's needed in college, it should be all the way because our mental health is always there. That doesn't go away, you know, and um, the sooner you tap into it and you know what you're in touch with, with your mental health and your feelings, the health and that's, that you'll be a healthier person growing up, you know, the health, you'll be a healthier adult, a healthier teenager, you know, and you're, you're able to just be a better person be a better version of yourself. So I think this, you know, like there's a lot of work to be done when it comes to that because the school system and, and school, that's something that's, we know how that works. That's not something that we could just go in there. Even for me to go speak into a school, it's like a whole system for me if I wanted to go talk to kids about something, you know? But um, I think that's where it starts. We need to, like, it shouldn't be a teacher's responsibility to have those kind of conversations with kids because y'all have y'all already have a lot on y'all plates. <laughs> you know, like, y'all already have a lot on your plates when it comes to things. And on top of that, now you have to, uh, you know, have to take home something that a kid told you that he's going on with something at home. Like, yeah, if you want to do that, that's okay. But like, now you know for a fact, whatever he tells you or he or she tells you or they tell you, you have to report that to to to, to the school. You know what I'm saying? So like, and now it's somebody else's hand. So now you know what's going on with the kid at school, but you can't do nothing about it. And you're hoping, crossing your fingers, that the city or state, whoever else is responsible, is really doing what they're supposed to be doing, which a lot of times, unfortunately, in our communities, it does not happen. 
and the kids do not get the resources or the help that they need and they end up just being another kid in the system or another kid that's just there going through it without the help that he or she or they need. Correct. Correct. Right on point. And a lot of my job is to make sure they get resources like like this, like they when they need it. And it's always gonna be that um that need if, if there's any safety concerns, you make sure you mention it to the therapist. But one thing like within schools, like they don't even teach them how to call in and I need a therapist. What number should I call? I'm not sure if, if it's posted all over the uh, their schools, like the number 988. That's a new number for your mental health and emergencies. If you, want, if you have a mental health emergency, call 988. Because we're also afraid to call 911 because we know who, who are sent to the school, to the, to the homes. People who are not adequate to take care of those who are in mental health needs. So, like, that's, I wanted to be in the schools, just like uh, Mosul said and Susie, like, there is a huge need of mental health advocates on school sites. But for some reason, the cost of the student just bringing into the income of the schools is higher than their mental health. One therapist for everyone, and not just one therapist, because it's also like the PSA, the one taking care of the attendance, making sure that you come to school every time. But why aren't they not coming to school? That should be another question that they're asking. If they need resources, where's your whole pamphlet of resources that they could reach? In Spanish, in English, in their native language too, saying, where is that information for the parents? When Susie said, like, they have to mention to the parents, too, is also where is the education of suicide? The whole stigma between suicide, too, is, like, what do you mean you want to hurt yourself? Like, haven't you have enough here? It's like, it's not about that. It's about how they're feeling, too. Just like, oh, you know, schools don't really teach sex ed. They don't really teach mental health, either. And one more thing, because a lot of people have a lot of energy when it comes to um, bringing, like, having uh, armed teachers and armed people in these school buildings. They should have the same exact energy when it comes to mental health and having that type of stuff in the building. That's what we need. That's 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 what that's what that's what may stop all these tragedies that happen in these school buildings. Not bringing weapons into buildings. Not not bringing more people to to it that that's what it is when you it's tragic but every time you hear it 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 was about a a kid that was going through something troubled going through something had no one to go to and that's what ends up happening a tragedy ends up happening you know what i'm saying so we have to people have to keep the same energy i'm not saying we because i'm not part of that that group but you know anybody out there listening we need to keep the same energy and we have to think about it sometimes if that's what y'all want to do all right cool but there's also another side of it that maybe can also be explored Besides it just being that, because that's just another Band-Aid being put over something. A Band-Aid that, uh, that, that could be ripped off and hurt really, really bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not even a little Band-Aid. So, um, I just wanted to throw that in there. No, and I think that's, your, you know, I saw, um, like, a recent post. Like, I think when we talked about, you know, when... COVID first started happening and everything with, you know, George Floyd started happening. There was a whole movement, right, around defunding the police. And I think that 
was like huge, you know, and I feel like lately we haven't really been hearing this part, but I think looking at another post of like about another school shooting and another, you know, so many like kids dying in schools is like one of the main reasons gun violence. Like, um, I'm just like confused to why we're not going full on energy on mental health and like full on energy on promoting and talking to students and you know I think that's like but we want to arm teachers we want to continue to have uh, rifles and all these guns available um, but then we don't want to talk just like simple as just having spaces to talk about your feelings right I think that's part um, um, but one just little thing about uh, most of you've talked about being being a parent so the first thing I learned about when at first um, my wife had her, her kid was like this notion of skin to skin, right? And the nurses will always talk about as much as possible, the baby needs to be on the parent or anybody, an adult that they want to have a relationship skin to skin without no clothes, just like, you know, if you can have your shirt off with the baby and just like, and um, my wife and I kind of make a little joke here and then when like there's an adult who's having a, who just, the way they're coming at, at us or the way they're like, you know, we'll just be like, oh, they had no skin to skin. But like, that is like, so like, as a, you know, we think about that phrase and like, it really built bonds connections at a young, like at such a young age. And it's so important. So if people did not do that growing up, like just physically bonding, then there was no, there was no, like, there was like a lack of connections, you know, and, and there's lack of love or something, but just this notion of, uh, and people can, if you don't, you know, if you um, don't have any kids, um, just Google it, the notion of skin to skin, and it's so powerful, about like just, at such a young age, babies, you need to make sure like they're, you know, physically attached to your, like, just have as much time with them that actually helps their brain develop, that helps their feelings um, develop a lot more um, and just be healthier little human beings. Even as adults, we still need those hugs. I think it's, I read like, uh, we need eight hugs a day to make sure we are also okay. Having that physical contact with anyone we care, uh, cherish, or everyone we love, just having that tight hug and bringing that back like skin to skin memory that you're not just a body walking, but you're also a body full with energy. Nice. I like that. Well, folks, um, this might not have been skin to skin, but this is definitely screen to screen. Um, and there was definitely a connection built, you know, between all of us who are here. And I really appreciate that. Um, I do want to be mindful of time, you know, where I know our time is nine o'clock, but Mozo, you know, you're, I believe it's about to be 12 over there. It's about to be um, a new so day. It's about to be a new day, baby. New day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's about to be a new day and we have you up, you know? So I, I really appreciate it. Um, I'll give you space if there's any, any um, work that you're doing in particular, any announcements, any resources that you want to share. Um, the, the floor is yours. Uh, but definitely want to thank you for, you know, joining us today and, and sharing your wisdom and, and the work that you're doing. So 
I don't know, Mayra or, or Mozoe, if anything you want to share. Of course. Um, I want to thank you all for having me. Uh, it was a great conversation. Um, you know, I, I don't drink cafecito, but it, 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 it was great to take part in, in, in the cafecito process. You know what I'm saying? Um, and like you said, connections were made here. And I really appreciate every single one of y'all for just even sharing this space with me, uh, being honest, being vulnerable, and, and speaking about your feelings. I think that's super, super dope that we were able to do that. Um, anybody out there listening, um, you want to check me out, you check me on Instagram, or any social media, it's at underscore the real mozo. Um, you know, my, my, my platform is a safe, it's a safe space. Um, it's for everyone. Um, it's full of love and I'm here, you know, we all have good days, bad days, but you know, we're, we should all be here for each other. And that's what my platform is about. Um, and before I go, I just want to remind to anybody listening to y'all right here, the three of y'all, you know, just remind y'all that, you know, y'all are important, you know, your life matters. Um, you know, you are loved and that you are, you are the only, you're the only you in this world. There's no other David, there's no other Susie, there's no other Myra, there's no other, whoever's listening, it's only you. There's only one of you and, and no one can replace you. You know what I'm saying? And always remember that. Thank you. Um, so I want to say thank you for everyone. Also, those who are listening to, um, thank you for staying with us. Mental health is sometimes hard to listen to. So I really appreciate you staying all through. And then also for both of you, Susie and David, for the space. Um, my platform, I don't have one. It's personal, but always feel free to also, um, if you would like to talk to me as well, I'm always open to have these conversations too. Or I have a lot of services too. If you ever need one, you could also message me. Um, my um, Instagram is most the one that I use. It's Chatis with the double T. It's C H A T T I S nine, and you could always follow me there too. Send me a message. I'll help you link. If you're in LA area, if you're not, we'll look up something too. That's where I work, and that's how I advocate for mental health. Also, too, there's a National Alliance of Mental Illness. It's a National Alliance of Mental Illness. It's an organization. It's national. They have a lot of space as well. They just call in, and if they say uh, you want therapy, if they don't know uh, where to link you to, just ask them, where can I get this service? And that's how uh, we could get started, too. But definitely, I appreciate every single one of you. Thank you for your existence. I really appreciate the space as well. Um, and then just take a deep breath and making sure you're breathing every single day. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Susie, another episode down? No, just just thank y'all. Thank y'all for joining us and for, I know we had some technical difficulties, so I appreciate y'all's patience. And again, thank y'all for the work that y'all are doing. We appreciate both of you and we really appreciate what y'all are doing.